Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Also, I'm Kay Jinks, but shocking news. Brody is not here today. Instead, this is a special Christmas poodle episode dedicated to Todd Haynes' Carol, based on the Patricia Highsmith book, The Price of Salt. BL and I did talk about doing this one together, but I felt like I might reveal myself to be more of an unhinged lesbian than usual if I was just talking to BL about this. <laughs> so we have a very special guest today. I'm joined by my dear friend, Chelsea Fellis, who, among many other things, is the co-host of the brilliant and now New Yorker approved podcast, Every Outfit. Hey, Chelsea. Hi. Yeah, you you had to go out and find a lesbian that's even more unhinged than you, and and I appreciate. Yeah, that. I knew exactly who to call. There was only one person. <laughs> I love that. I am so honored to be here. I am such a fan of the pod, and I love that we're doing a one-on-one episode. But I really would love to meet Brody at some point. Although, yeah, like we don't need to subject her to this dykery. Like we could talk about the Carol sex scene for like two hours. So and we will. It's probably for the best. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Are you feeling particularly flung out of space today, Chelsea? I'm so flung out of space. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you're flung out of space because you're drinking a martini at 11 a.m. Australian time. <laughs> we had some issues and it's now 12 p.m. So I think that that is fine. It is a fine time. No judgment. Yeah. No judgment. Hey, it's it's Carol, you know. I wish I loved a martini because it's so chic. I feel the same way about oysters. But uh, but no, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm not into it. I wish I was. So I'm just doing champagne, you know. Yeah, it's um. what does Therese say? She's drinking. She likes to drink wine. It makes her feel naughty. I mean, I get the sense that anything would make Therese feel naughty. She seems like a bit of a square, but we'll get into that in a minute. Okay, so we're talking about Todd Haynes' Carol. It's based on the celebrated crime novelist Patricia Highsmith. We will get into her political views a little bit later. The book was called Price of Salt. But Carol is a contemporary and somewhat unlikely Christmas classic from director Todd Haynes, who we love, Far From Heaven, Safe, etc., etc., and screenwriter Phyllis Nage. Um, and she really deftly nailed the spirit of the original text in this film. That spirit is the tingling electric air between Carol, Kate Blanchett, a married woman with a small child, and Therese, 
Rooney Mara, a young amateur photographer moonlighting as a department store Christmas casual. Their paths cross one morning in the toy department. A glance makes way for some light chit-chat that's like the mid-century equivalent, I think, of savings, spendings more like. The seed is sown, a glove is left on the counter, and there it is. It's an opportunity for a second meeting and a cross-country road trip against all odds. And those odds include Carol's estranged husband, Hajj, a gun, and a looming custody battle. Okay, but do you think Carol left her gloves on the counter intentionally? Is it the reverse of the whole sort of L word, Bet and Tina thing, where Bet kind of stole Tina's earring so she'd have to go back to the gallery and then she could seduce her? What do you think? I love that we've been talking for like 10 minutes and you've already brought the L word into it. I love it. Oh, she left those gloves there on purpose for sure. Don't you think? (laughs) No, I think she did because they don't overtly say it, but throughout this film, it's kind of like the subtext is that Carol may be some sort of like serial predator who has like done this many times with other like young, vulnerable shop girls or something. Yeah. And I, I'm into it, I guess is the thing. (laughs) Yeah. Same, obviously. I mean, you know, I love like a somewhat predatory age gap relationship. Like that's hot. But in the book, it is reversed. So Therese actually contacts Carol first. Like it's a, it's a slightly different thing. Like Therese is sort of more obsessed with Carol at the beginning. Right. See, I haven't read the book, so I need you to explain a few things to me. Why is it called The Price of Salt? It's called The Price of Salt. It's based on a like biblical saying. I'm more, uh, I'm very, very au fait with Carol and the price of salt and less so with the Bible. So I cannot tell you exactly, but it's something about, (laughs) there's something about like losing the flavor. Like if you lost the flavor of salt, what is salt actually worth? And so it's like, I think that it comes back into the film as when Carol um, talks about how she can't go against her grain. So I think that that is sort of that idea of it. I always thought it was like, when Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt because she turned around when she was told not to. But I, and maybe it is that as well. Patricia Highsmith published it in 1952, but she published it under the name Claire Morgan. She was already like a renowned crime writer. Alfred Hitchcock turned Strangers on a Train into a film in like 1951. So she was well known and she didn't want to become known as like a lesbian writer. Her literary agent also was the one who suggested that she use a pseudonym for it. So yeah, she used the name Claire Morgan, but to put it into context when she, and like her decision to use a pen name. So she published it in like 1952. That was the same year that the American Psychiatric Association classified homosexuality as a mental illness. Although she was very kind of, she was really living the high life as a New York lesbian. My God, (laughs) this woman. She really was. Respect. I mean, she's such a complicated person and everything I've ever read about her personality, I feel like I might as well be reading about Valerie Solanus or something. Like she was a very deeply abrasive, fucked up, alcoholic, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Has snails for pets. I mean... Apparently she loved her snails so much. She used to carry them in a handbag and she moved from America to Europe and then like crisscrossed back a number of times. But I think she was moving between France and England and she couldn't take snails across the border as pets because they're a pest. Generally people consider snails (laughs) pests, except the French, I guess. Yeah. There should be laws against (laughs) that. Yeah. So she hid them under her boobs, like in her bra. And that is how she smuggled her pet snails into another country. That's so fucked up. I know. It's like, yeah, she's wild. Anyway. Slight digression, but did you ever see the recent Patricia Highsmith adaptation, Deep Water, starring Ben Affleck? And on a day, our moss. I did not. Should I? 
I mean, no, it's terrible, but I was just curious because it's like the most recent one, mm. but they actually made it into a movie before in the 80s uh, starring Isabelle Huppert, but it's like, there's no way to watch it on the internet. So I've never seen mm. it. So I was curious if you had, but. No, I like, I've seen a lot of the adaptations of her books. Like, you know, there are a million Ripley's of course, and they're all very beautiful. And I love Strangers on a Train. Um, and I love that book, yeah. but. I don't know. There was a documentary actually about Patricia Highsmith that came out. It was in a couple of festivals this year. Uh, I think it's getting a wider release at the moment. It's called Loving Highsmith. It focuses on maybe like three of her main partners, like three of the biggest relationships in her life. So one of the women that she was involved with was Tabia Blumenschein, the uh, German actress who was in like a lot of Ulrika Odinger films. I don't know if you've, have you ever seen any? Oh, iconic. Yes, I have. I have. What's the one that I saw? The one on the ship? They're like pirates or something? Madam X. Yes. An absolute ruler. It is a beautiful film. Truly. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. But it, it, like, it didn't really kind of go into her political views maybe enough which are like I have to get it right out of the way she is what I would call she's like my number one problematic fave like a lot of the like older you know like canonical lesbians are super but it's not because she's a turf oh my god thank Christ right thank Christ I mean we don't (laughs) we don't really know but yeah, she probably yeah, she was. Really was. Um, but she became this like anti-Semite very publicly and a racist, particularly towards black Americans. I feel like that needs to be addressed, that we understand yes. that and we don't condone it. We're not saying she's like I like an icon that we can all, I don't know, want to live up to. Yeah, the See Also podcast does not condone <laughs> Patricia Highsmith's personal views. But we do love this film, of course. So how many times have you watched it? I'm curious. I don't know, Chels. I don't know. I have seen it so many times. I used to <laughs> I used to listen to it on planes. Like <laughs> if I couldn't sleep, I would listen to the audio of the film, like not the soundtrack, but the full audio of the film as I like took a valley. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> So you're not even watching the movie. You're just listening. No, because I've it. seen it so many times. I know exactly what's happening. You know, what's fucked up is that I have only seen it twice. Chelsea. And the second time I know. Well, OK, here's the thing. The first time I saw it was such a perfect experience that I've been a little intimidated about seeing it again, because the last time I saw it was the New York premiere. And Kate, I know you go to a lot of fancy film premieres for your job, but for me, it's like a rare occurrence. So going to the Carol premiere was like a really, really big deal for me. And It was so magical because, for one thing, John Waters and Patricia Hearst were sitting behind me in the theater, which is just, like, insane. Secondly, I met Christine Vachon, who produced this film, and basically every film that you and I care about. um, So that was just, like, I mean, she's just, like, to me, the most iconic power lesbian, And, but the craziest thing was at the after party, um, I went with my ex and my ex is friends with Sarah Paulson. So we were talking to Sarah Paulson and Sarah was like, oh, like, let me introduce you guys to my new girlfriend. And we're like, ooh, who's she dating? And it's literally Holland Taylor. No. It's Peggy Peabody. I've made my second L word reference. And this was maybe a couple months before they went public as a couple. So I was just like completely shocked. And to this day, their relationship is really just the most delightful thing in the world. Like every time I see a photo of them together, it it does feel like Christmas morning. You know, it really does. Wow. I didn't, I actually, I feel like maybe I have repressed that memory of yours because I couldn't quite deal with it. I went to like the premiere of it in Sydney. There were no, there were no stars in attendance. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I remember like, I was so excited because I had read the book a lot in my twenties and 
had read like the biography of Patricia Highsmith and the diaries that were available at the time. I think they've published a lot more now. Um, so I just like couldn't believe that Todd Haynes was making this film. It was just like a dream come true. It's like the news of like the Capote's <laughs> swans, you know, I feel like, I, you know, mm-hmm. very excited about that coming out, but this was just like almost too much. And I went with Zoe and we were sitting with some other friends, lesbians and some gay male friends. And at the end of the film, one of the, like, one of my male, gay male friends was like, yeah, it was chilly. I didn't really get anything out of it. And I, I feel like I haven't respected him fully since. And I have heard that so much. Oh, you You couldn't. But I've heard that so much, like that reaction. And I am just like, everything happens in this film. Like it, it is so tense and beautiful and like captures that whole like is she isn't she should i like all of that like deep underlying kind of lust is so beautifully represented in this film and so when it was described by like some critics men mostly as being chilly i couldn't i just couldn't believe it like what did you think of it when you first saw it I get the chilliness in in the sense that throughout this film, it's like Carol and Therese are kind of withholding towards each other and they kind of like switch off at various points during the film. But Carol's iciness is part of her hotness mm. and is someone that loves like a bitch mm-hmm. or someone that's kind of a little bitchy. It's like that's it's it's perfect, you know? Yeah. Well, Carol lives like a miserable, repressed life. It's like, how warm do you really expect her to be under these circumstances? Yeah. And she does that. I don't know. Like she puts in, she puts enough of like, what? okay. So she is fully repressed. Yes. She's having a miserable life. She loves her daughter, Rindy, who looks a lot like Rooney Mara. Loves Rindy. <laughs> in this. I love. Okay. Gross. I've never thought of that, but so true. Okay. <laughs> so when I was watching it with Zoe the other night, I was like, have you ever noticed that like Rindy and uh, Therese have almost the same haircut? And then at the beginning, when you first see Therese working at the toy department, she's and like when Carol would have first seen her, she's standing in front of a sign that says mommy's baby. <laughs> And so he was like, you are reaching like this is you have taken this too far. But I don't know. Isn't it? Maybe it's a bit like daddy culture. Absolutely. It's it's mommy culture. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. When I rewatched it this time, I totally forgot that Teresa's boyfriend is played by what's his face? Nick Lacey. Is that his name? White Lotus guy? I think so. Something, White Lotus, he's actually in everything now. I mean, he was iconically in Girls as Lena Dunham's boyfriend. He's in that new, he's the star of that new Peacock show. Oh, what is it called that I literally just watched? I don't know. I feel like he's everywhere now, but he's perfect. And he does have like 1950s face. Like he has like a timeless look. He's good for period films, you know? He is. And he's like pretty good at either playing uh yeah, like this tormented, I don't know, like a bit of a cock, I guess, but he is also in yeah. um oh that Jenny Slate, that great Jenny Slate abortion film. Oh, obvious, obvious child. child. I mean, that's not yes. a that's not a genre of film. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> So who, so are you like, you're obviously more into Kate Blanchett, right? Because I'm Australian or? No, just like, who do you have a crush oh, on? Oh, Carol, for fucking sure. I, yeah, yeah obviously. obviously. What if, like, right. For okay. you also, right? <laughs> obviously. Yeah. yeah, not so into Rooney Mara, but she's a great actress. And of course, I respect the fact that she has queer cred because she was also in Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. And seeing her with this whole like 1950s beat, especially at the end of the film, made me really excited for this Audrey Hepburn biopic that she's starring in that thankfully did not go to Lily Collins. (laughs) There is a God. (laughs) Oh, my God. So true. Rini Mara, I love. But do you know Mia Wasikowska was meant to play her? So she was originally attached to play opposite Kate Blanchett and then had to pull out because she was doing 
and Deep Crimson or some film about Crimson Peak? Crimson Peak. I didn't see that. Um, that makes sense. It does, but I'm glad that it, I don't know, Rooney kind of works here. Okay, another thing I, I discovered when I rewatched this, which is like maybe the darkest thing ever, because I, I always remember this film as having a happy ending, which is which is what makes it unique and like so wonderful and affirming for all of us. But I forgot that she literally lost custody of her daughter. Yeah. She yeah, because she doesn't want to go like, against completely. her brain. Yeah, she kind of she chooses to live her authentic life essentially and gives up Rindy. And like so much of the film is about her trying to get Rindy back and her love of Rindy and like doing what's best for Rindy. Um but and then like the book goes into it a little bit more, but the film yeah, that final scene when she's kind of throws in the towel in that legal proceeding and says, yeah, I don't, I can't go against my grain. And like, we're not ugly people, Haj. Oh my God. It breaks. It just, it it moved. I was sobbing when I watched it this time. It's so, it's so moving. And, um, it's like, yeah, you, you get this sense with Carol that it's like, okay, if, if she didn't, if she wasn't living her authentic life she would be julianne moore's character in the hours for sure yeah a hundred percent why is like a repressed like closeted lesbian housewife so hot what 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 is it what is it chelsea (laughs) i think it's because that's kind of like the only representation of lesbians maybe we saw growing up because so many lesbian films are period films and like carol they they're all kind of similar in that for the first two thirds of the movie, the tension builds, right? The sexual tension builds to the point where it's like the audience has like almost like full blown anxiety by the time they finally have sex. And then when they finally have sex, they have sex one time and either they get caught immediately like they do in Carol or they conspire to murder someone so they can be together and then they get caught for that. And like, so it's a very like, it's a, it's a very specific kind of movie. Yeah, it is. And yeah, like you say, the, the first two thirds of it, you're kind of like waiting for something to happen, which is electric, but watching it again for this, I mean, I didn't really need to, but I decided to, it had been a year at least, um, they don't get on the road for an hour into the film. Like you think of Carol as this like, they meet at the toy store, they go for their glove lunch, and then they're on the road, you know, and then they have sex and, like, the detective yeah. is following them. Like, that is how I think of the film. But in watching it again, I was like, my God, it is so, like, it is so drawn out that, you know, she goes to Carol's home for that visit and Harsh sees her there. And then, like, there's a little run-in with Abby, the Sarah Paulson character. And I think that Sarah Paulson being in this film – gives it a bit more, like it really gives it that kind of queer cred, like that we know that Sarah Paulson is an out lesbian and she's like the only one in the whole film. You know, I guess Carrie Brownstein. Oh, yeah. I mean. (laughs) Well, her her scenes were cut, so we don't even really know. I mean, you've read the book, so you know about Carrie Brownstein's character. But who who was that? Because we only see her briefly in a party scene after um, Therese has been dumped by Carol, essentially. She goes to meet Carol and then Carol is like, I gave up Rindy. I have got a job. I've got a new apartment. Will you live with me? And then Therese says like, no, I don't think I will. (laughs) And like without barely thinking about it. And Carol says, well, that's that. And then Therese goes to the party, but in the book, she, it's the same sort of thing, but she goes to this party and she's, cause in the book, Therese is not an amateur photographer. She's an amateur like set designer. And so she really wants to get into like theater Mm. design and she goes to meet this famous theater designer or director. He's having a party for this actress who's just come to town. um, Genevieve, I think her name is. And Carrie Brownstein has that name in the film, which, you know, leads us to believe that it was going to be a lot more scenes. And apparently she was filming for days. Um, And there are a lot of scenes where Therese, in the book where Therese sort of feels Genevieve's eyes on her. And then Genevieve invites her to an after party 
and that seems to be very private and like Therese thinks about going, but then of course goes back to Carol. But it's like this whole thing where I feel that so much of the book and the film is that Therese feeling like maybe Carol's like the only one, like she's the only woman she could ever be attracted to. But Well, after you've been with Carol, there's nowhere to go but no. down. I mean, I know even like some starlet <laughs> who's just flown in from London. Right. But um, yeah, she and then so at that part, so it's kind of an important moment in the book that she kind of realizes that there can be other attractions with women and like there are other women like them, etc. But in the film, it's like Carrie Brownstein tries to talk to her and she's, and Therese is such a bitch to her. She's just, cause like Carrie Brownstein's character, Genevieve is like, Oh, how do you like, why are you at the party? How do you know? And then Therese is like, cause I'm friends with Danny. I, I figure everyone is. And like, that's it. Like she just cuts her off so rudely at this party. And then we don't see Carrie again. I know it's, it's wild, but to go back to Sarah Paulson, that to me, that relationship is actually the most interesting part of Carol to me, because it's something that we've really never seen in any other period film about lesbians, or even like we barely see it in most, films about lesbians, which is sort of like the relation, the close relationship with the ex and the fact that they're kind of like, they have this established friendship and now they're in this place where they just kind of like brag together about their conquests. Like Sarah Paulson's like, Oh, like I have my eyes on this redhead who looks like Rita Hayworth. And Carol's like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm doing my thing, like picking up random shop girls at the department store. Like it's, it's just very fun to me. You're so right. I've never thought about it like that, but yeah, you're so right. Um, I mean, that is such like a classic of like lesbian culture and like film and TV. Now they're like, everyone's friends with their exes and you're friends with your like exes, exes, or you're dating your exes, ex or whatever. Like that's such you don't know, we take it so for granted, but in Carol, it was like a real, it's really important. Yeah, I, I never thought about it that way, but you're right. Yeah, especially given the time period, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's so, it's so cool. Also, I love that scene where they're in the convertible and they're both wearing matching headscarves. Very chic. That car is barely moving. Chelsea is barely moving. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me to another thing, which is the Sandy Powell of it all and her incredible costumes for this film. And she's also someone that has a lot of queer cred because, of course, she did Orlando. She did Far From Heaven. She did The Favorite. Like, she's she's everything. Yeah, she is. I know. She's like to costuming to what like Christine Vachon is to producing to me, I guess what an insanely like powerful duo, but yes, Sandy Powell's costumes are so gorgeous. There is one scene where Carol, like I think where she first invites Therese over, it's really just like come over and hang out. Like it's a really odd meeting, right? Where you're like, I don't know you shop girl, come over. Like it becomes intimate fast, right? <laughs> with the, even without the sex. But Carol is wearing this dress that is fully buttoned up at the back. And it's just like, how's she going to get out of it? How'd she get into it? Like, I always think of that <laughs> when I see the film. Uh, see, I love that. My favorite thing about like lesbian period films is all the little buttons that they have to unbutton before they can have sex. Like, I think the most iconic example of this being in The Handmaiden, where it's literally like 10,000 tiny buttons. But I just, I don't know. I love it. I love the eroticism of it, of that sort of like stuffy 50s. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. I know. Well, it's kind of like that Sarah Waters bodice, lesbian bodice ripping kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Tipping the Velvet. Did you watch that? Tipping the Velvet. Yeah, of course. Well, there was a time when Tipping the Velvet was one of like 20 lesbian movies that existed. And like we naturally were forced to watch all of those movies. Yeah. You know, it was like that desert hearts, you know, like back in the day. I know. Yeah. It was like go fish. And I mean, the nineties really, there was a great Mm -hmm. explosion, you know, like the incredibly true adventures of two girls in love, which of course stars Tina 
from the Elwood as, <laughs> as a teenager, as a teenage tomboy even. And let me tell you, her acting wasn't very good back then and it's not great now, but... <laughs> but I got- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I am. You're not wrong. No, I'm not. But I am into like Elwood Gen Q spoiler, I guess. But I am into like Tibet getting back into getting back together. Are you doing it? Yeah, of course. I mean, we we all are at this point. Uh, am I enjoying it? It's hard to say because I'm I have a press login, so I'm a little ahead of everyone. Mm. So I don't know what's happened yet but i think it sort of hits its stride in like episode three four there's some good things happening that are exciting me but i do think that the new cast i'm sorry to the new cast like y'all are not that good you don't have chemistry like it's it is what it is you know no chemistry i mean like the older ones do like Gigi is really good, um, and Tess. I like Tess, mm-hmm. but the younger cast members. Wait, Gigi's like the Sackler oh. pharmaceutical heiress. Oh, right? the other one. No, the, wait, who's Gigi? Which the one's Gigi? Mother who was the the like. Oh, okay. Co- yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah. I like. I don't know. I like. I really like Finley, but I fucking hate that sober storyline. It's like, why did they give us the one kind of good character, and then like her? It's like this redemption arc of like a twelve step. I don't know. Like, I cannot deal with that. But yeah. Anyway. Well, I think it was hard because we could see the the sobriety plotline coming from a mile away, but it took three seasons for her to actually get sober so it as an audience it kind of leaves us in this like awkward unsatisfied place i also really wish that shane would fuck again it makes me sad i feel like she will i I hope she will but you know our girl is not you know not who she used to be and maybe that's a good thing for her, but it's not a good thing for the audience. Well, to bring it back to Carol, uh, there is that <laughs> that scene in the first episode of the latest season where like Shane is doing that like haircut as sex scene where she's like considering mm. the haircut and like looking into her eyes and like, but like doesn't actually do the haircut. And it's like this weird sex euphemism is like Shane doing a haircut and like I feel like that is three quarters of Carol it's like it's all just sort of (laughs) (laughs) it's like just bubbling under the surface it's so true like the sexual tension gets so intense and to bring us to the sex scene it always shocks me how instead of like Carol just trying to kiss Therese she like fully just like drops her robe basically It's like, I would be too scared to do that now if I was interested in someone. (laughs) Like, you try and kiss them first, right? Before you have them alone in a hotel room and then just, like, fully go for it. Yeah, But props, I mean, I I admire her confidence. That's Carol's MO, I think. When Carol says, like, Carol says this thing that I've, like, never heard IRL but she says, like, oh, I've never looked like this before. Or something like when she sees Rooney's body. And it's such a Oh, when she of sees like, her tits. Yeah. She's Yeah. That's kind of like this odd moment. Like I don't hate it, but it's like 
It's a weird way of complimenting someone on their tits. That much I will say. <laughs> it really is. But the scene is good. It's like a good sex scene. And they kind of go for it. I mean, it's not like, did you see Ammonite? I did it. I know that's wrong, but I ha- I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that yet. But what is it a similarly like tight shot, which usually I kind of am bored with with lesbian sex scenes to bring it back to the L word generation Q. Like that's how they shoot literally everything. everything. Yeah. Is this sort of like tight claustrophobic? So it's like it doesn't feel too male gaze. It doesn't feel too porn. And I understand the intent behind that. But in this instance, I think that it actually like really, really works. It is really, really beautiful and perfect. Yeah, I feel like Gen Q, you can just like basically the intimacy coordinator is in the shot as well. You know what I mean? Like you can feel <laughs> their presence, um, but not so in Carol. <laughs> um, but I no Ammonite is, yeah, it has that like very bottled up. You know, Kate Winslet, she just loves her fossils, you know, and then Saoirse Ronan comes into her life. (laughs) But um, the sex scene in it is extreme. Like it is, it's the most full on like lesbian sex scene in like in mainstream cinema in I don't know how long. Like it's really wild, like really wild. And it doesn't feel, I mean, the director is a gay male, Francis Leach. But it doesn't feel male gazy, of course. In the same way that Todd Haynes directing this, it's not doesn't feel male gazy. Right. It's male gaze, but no. it's not male gaze. Yeah, it's full on. You've got to at least see the scene. Oh no, I, I'm dying to now. I, I wish your review of this sex scene had been on the poster for that film, because I would have run out and seen it in theaters had I known. I'll probably edit this out, but it's like Sosha Ronan like sitting on Kate Winslet's face. Like it is full on. Amazing. I love that. I'll report back. (laughs) Please do. I love it as a one-off film, but this is one of the only things that I feel like I could do with an extended universe on, (laughs) you know, like, Mm -hmm. like I want to know about Abby's life. I want to know, did the Rita Hayworth woman, did she work out? Did the redhead work out? Well, yes. I just, I want a sequel to Carol because where this film leaves us, um, Therese of course is working for the New York times. She's a great job. She's gotten a bit of a makeover since getting dumped by Carol, which is cool. She's more of an adult. And, and Carol, of course, has like extracted herself from this marriage, has a fabulous Madison Avenue apartment, has a job as a buyer for some fancy store. And now they're going to live together in that apartment. Like that is a movie I've never seen. I've never seen a movie about queer women in the fifties that like are financially independent so they can do their dyke shit i mean obviously they have to keep it under wraps but like that that i would love to see because obviously you know there were people that lived that life yeah it's just not really depicted in film and television yeah but if they made a sequel it they would probably do like rindy grown up or something which i don't know that i need but <laughs> well the reality of the situation is that Carol would probably dump Therese for some other like 12 year old shop girl like a year later. And then like it would just be, you know, blue is the warmest color or like call me by your name or something. Yeah. It was really hard for Phyllis Naj to get this film made. So she wrote it, but it took her like 20 years to get this made. And it seems like now like it's such a no brainer of a film, but it, yeah, it took so long to get not the rights or anything like that because Phyllis Nage was friends with Patricia Highsmith in her later years, but just like development hell. Like she couldn't get like directors would come at one point Kenneth Branagh was meant to direct it. Can you believe? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's insane. Isn't that bad? It's so bad. Yeah. And then finally, on, Todd Haynes only came on board because 
the director who was attached, I can't remember his name, but he directed Brooklyn. He had to drop out at the last minute and Kate Blanchett was already attached and Mia Wasikowska. And then Todd Haynes had a film that like fell through and Christine Vachon was like partly attached. And then she was like, oh, maybe Todd could do it. But it's the first film he ever made that is that he didn't write, which is kind of incredible. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. I mean, he's such a... He's just such a wonderful, lovely man. Like, I'm so grateful for his existence. Those movies, like growing up with those movies, like what he's done has just been so like so sensational. And of all directors, I really wish he's the person that would just get like the 10 part limited series. I mean, obviously, he did that with Mildred Pierce, but like he's he's just such a genius yeah i yes i know yeah mildred pierce so beautiful but like nothing will ever like replace i mean nothing will ever come close to the karen carpenter story for sure but superstar but (laughs) agreed that's no it's true it was kind of all downhill from there in a strange (laughs) way like that is like the most brilliant movie i've ever seen but To bring it back to Carol, I think like one more thing about this movie that I think makes it so special is like the idea that like Carol really takes ownership of her desires and like actually vocalizes that to people, which I think is a departure from other lesbian period films. Like even like, you know, with Therese, when she says um, even when she tells Therese, I took what you gave willingly like the shivers or when she is talking to the lawyers and she's basically like straight up, like I wanted this. Yeah. You know, and I don't regret it basically, which is so cool. Mm. Yeah, totally. I mean, Hodge describes her as like bold at one point, which is like, yeah, she's, she's certainly bold. And like the, yes, the way she expresses her needs and her desires is incredible, but also that she kind of throws Therese a bone a few times just like waiting for her to like pick it up when Therese goes to Carol's house for the first time and Therese reveals that she's like you know taking pictures and she's trying to be more into people or whatever that line is and Carol just says like invite me around (laughs) this amazing moment of like and like Kate Blanchett's voice I don't know how she came up with it for this but I love it but um there's this other moment when Therese calls her and says like there are lots of things I want to ask you and Carol kind of breaks down and says ask me (laughs) it's like fully breathy like (laughs) oh yeah beyond the grave sort of like death rattle voice which is amazing so sexy so hot um (laughs) but yeah like she's constantly doing this thing of like you know, like trying to be seen, I guess, by Therese, like trying to affirm Therese's suspicions, which I really love. Totally. I also really love when Therese goes shopping and for Carol and buys the record, the Easy Living record, and you see two lesbians like in suits checking her out, like these two full. Oh, my God. Yes. I love that. I love this kind of that the film has this constant like undercurrent of like this is happening, like this is the subversive life that is going on around you. Like it does exist. It's everywhere. I love that. Totally. But if I'm a dyke in 1952, I'm not like necessarily openly hitting on Therese, like the straightest looking person in the world. No, no matter if she's standing in front of the mummy's baby sign, like we don't know. (laughs) She's just like such a chick magnet. I mean, what can you do? Well, She has guys hitting on her constantly. Yeah, I love that part where she asked her boyfriend, like, so, like, have you ever, like, wanted to be with a guy or, like, had a crush on a guy? It's like, girl, what world are you living in? Like, this is 1952. Like, that is some homo shit that you are saying to your boyfriend who, like, should think that you're straight if you're going to, like, you know, continue to flourish in this rat race or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I yeah, when she's doing that, you're like, I don't know. It's like I wish she had the internet, you know, that she could type in her feelings. But she could do that lesbian quiz that was going around of like the am I gay quiz that. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) 
She would just she would just like look on TikTok and see like two TikToks and be like, oh, I'm like a dyke and like the movie would end. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't be made now. Do you think if it were if I it came out now, even though it's like a period film, do you think people would be a bit more uptight about a few things? This is something close to your heart, Chelsea, but do you think that people would be like weirder about the age gap because like they're what 16 years apart like in the book it's sort of different carol's a bit younger in the book she's in her 30s but in the film it's never like stated but kate blanchett was like 45 46 when she shot it and i don't like she at best she'd be early 40s right right i mean as someone that I guess is in an age gap marriage and has been in age gap relationships. I feel like we need to stop treating the younger person in an age gap relationship. Like they're a literal child when they're like a full ass adult. And it's like kind of normal to be attracted to older people, especially when the older person is like Carol. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being attracted to Carol. (laughs) Yeah. I fully agree. And I think that like in the film, Abby, is a bit like, what are you doing, Carol, um, about the age gap? And then, but Carol, Carol knows. Carol knows Therese can handle it. I love it. She's not a minor. Like, she's in her 20s or she's no. 19, whatever. Yeah, like, at what, at what age can you not be groomed? Like, I think we need to figure <laughs> this out as a culture, you know? But that scene is what makes me think that, like, Carol is some sort of, like, serial just picking up girls at Bergdorf and Neiman Marcus and maybe Zabar's potentially like depending on her day, like who knows, you know, how many gloves is Carol losing on a day-to-day basis? (laughs) Yeah. She opens her glove compartment and there's like 50 sets of gloves. If we'd actually seen more into that handbag, it's just like one-off gloves when she opens it a little bit. (laughs) She's been doing this shit all over town. I remember hearing you on every outfit. You mentioned something that drew you out of Carol. And I'd never picked this up before and we'd never discussed it, but you mentioned Kate Blanchett's gel nails. Mm, yes. Well, this was brought to my attention by the fabulous Justin Vivian Bond, who did incredible material about Carol's gel manicure. Because once you see it, you cannot unsee it. And anyone that gets manicures, you know that a gel manicure is like a very thick and glossy thing. Gel manicures do not look like how nail polish looked in the 50s, which is even different from the you know normal drugstore nail polish of today. So they had this really amazing joke where it's like, okay, well, they were trying to just, dis- they had to decide between continuity, right? Like if we do a gel manicure, it'll last longer. So the nails will look the same. So it'll succeed on that front. But when we go for continuity, we lose the period specificity of the nail polish. But yeah, once, once you see it, you can't unsee it. I'm sorry. That is a thick manicure. Yeah, I had never noticed. And now it's it's what I see when she's like losing that <laughs> glove, when she's wrapping those presents, when she's like pouring Rooney Mara's body. It's yeah, it's all I can see. It's rough because it's like they clearly went to such great lengths to make it period specific. Like every aspect of it is perfect. But then in every shot, this bitch has these nails, you know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. Oh, you know, yeah. it's it's good. It's good that there's something that makes it a slightly imperfect because otherwise it would just be too perfect. I agree. I agree. Yeah. The one thing that I think is almost better than Carol or almost as good as Carol about Carol is the parody with Kate McKinnon and Kamala Nanjiani that they did for the Film Independent mm. Spirit Awards. It is so perfect. I don't know if you've rewatched it recently, but Kate McKinnon as doing Kate Blanchett's voice is just like perfection. It's so good. Yeah, I saw that at the time, but I definitely need to revisit it. Is it the time? Should we get into our C also? Yeah, I think so. Like there is so much. There's so much to recommend off the back of Carol. Well, I feel like we're going to pick the same things potentially, or are we? I don't know. You go first. Okay, I've got a couple of Patricia Highsmith C also's to start. 
you can read the original draft of The Price of Salt, which was called The Bloomingdale Story. So she wrote it because Patricia Highsmith, she was actually Therese in the story. Like this actually kind of happened to her, except... Yeah, she literally worked at a department store. Yeah, she worked at Bloomingdale's and this woman came in and she became obsessed with her, but then nothing happened after that. She just like obsessed about her. And so you can read the original draft of the Bloomingdale's story on this website called Crime Reads. It was also in a book of her notes and um, journals, which is also really great. So I'll link that in the show notes. There's a Loving Highsmith documentary that I mentioned that I can't fully recommend, but it's interesting enough if you want to know about her lovers. And also it kind of talks about that the lesbian bars of New York, which is so interesting. Um, I know that Patricia Highsmith used to go to one called L's, which is kind of like just the letter L, which is so funny um, to me, like hide (laughs) it a little bit better, you know? Um, (laughs) And then if you want some more actual Carol stuff, we'll link to the Kate McKinnon parody. Also an interview with Phyllis Naj talking about how it all came together and how difficult it was. Uh, She's interviewed at TIFF. It's like a 45 minute interview that's really great. Phyllis Nage also directed a film that has just come out. It premiered at Sundance early this year and then had its European premiere at Berlin and it played at MIFF in Australia. It's called Called Jane and it's about the Janes, the underground mm, abortion mm-hmm. group. Um, but this is like a fictionalized version starring Elizabeth Banks, which is kind of like a more friendly version of the story, I shall say, but it's really, really worthwhile seeing. Um, and then just some other little like lesbian time period stuff. Uh, I will always, <laughs> I always recommend. Okay. So this, this could go on for hours, <laughs> I but I do continue. I've only got, I've only got two things, Chelsea. I cut myself off cause I was oh, like, no, no, no. Who I, knows there's, what nothing, say. there's nothing more that I would love than to have this conversation with you for the rest of our lives. <laughs> like actually, I'm sure because you're the only person that I know that is if not as nerdy, even nerdier than me around this kind of shit. So I completely appreciate it and adore you and want to hear all the wrecks that you have. <laughs> well, I am excited to hear yours. I have cut myself off a little short today, which is good, <laughs> I think, for everybody. Uh, a documentary. No, don't do it. A documentary that came out this year, premiered at Berlin and played at MIF, and now it's streaming is called, I think it's on. I think in Australia it's on Doc Play and it's streaming broadly uh, internationally. It's called Nellie and Nadine and it's about two lesbians who met at a concentration camp on Christmas Day. Oh, Jesus Christ, Kate. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that is that is a premise right there. <laughs> I'm down. I'm ready. It's this incredible story of this, like, you know, again, it's like fully the most against all odds story. These two women, one of them ha- was married to a man <laughs> Yeah, they meet in... I think that's the least of her problems. (laughs) Yeah, true, true. Then they were in multiple concentration camps. (laughs) Um, But they both survived these these terrors of the concentration camps and the war, and they managed to meet up. This is not a spoiler, it's in the trailer. It's on the poster. But uh, they meet up, and also there were real people who are now dead. It's fine. But so Nellie and Nadine found each other post-war and then lived a full life together. They moved countries to be together and Mm. it features the most incredible eight mil footage, like home videos of them just like hanging out at home. And it's just like the likes of it I have never seen before. Um, It's absolutely incredible. And also the documentary Word is Out from like 1974 by the Mariposa Collective, which interviews like 26 Americans um, about their queer lives. And there are quite a lot of lesbians in it who talk about this time period um, of Carol, that Carol set in. Anyway, I'm done, Chelsea. I'm done. Over to you. No, that that I have seen and that is brilliant. And I, I, I cannot wait for that, that other documentary. That, what is it called again? Nellie and Nadine. Nellie and Nadine. Okay, that's at the top of my list. I feel like my see also's for Carol are really obvious. The first being Tar. Has that come to Australia yet? I haven't seen oh, it. I'm seeing it my next God. week. Um, yeah, they have. Kate Blanchett went to like Adelaide. She went to Sydney for premieres. The Melbourne premiere is next week. There is no Kate there. 
Uh, you know, I, I will be there. You should. Well, that's the other essential movie because Kate Blanchett also plays a predatory. <laughs> Not that Carol is predatory, but she, you know, Lydia Tarr has a thing for a younger woman. And it, it is a, a parallel film in certain ways and truly fabulous. Like one of my favorite movies of the year. I also have a listen also, which is the King Princess song 1950, which was inspired by the film Carol. I guess like 1952 didn't really have the same ring to it. So like I get that they kind of had to adjust the timeline a little bit, but I think it's a really, really perfect, like moody, queer love song. And it's so crazy. It feels like that King Princess show we went to in Sydney. That feels like 10,000 years yeah, ago. Yeah, it does. It really but does. But I think it was kind of like not, it was kind of right before the pandemic, wasn't it? Yeah, I I, I guess. I, I don't know. I've lost complete track of time. But the main takeaways I remember from that show was that so many people in the audience were airdropping shit to your wife. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> and we were like, yeah. what? Yeah. what? What are people doing? And they were like, my friend has a crush on you. Do you mind meeting my friend? It was really like, wow. It's so cute. Yeah. yeah, that was really, really cute. Gorgeous song. And my last C also is the Children's Hour, oh. which is a similarly depressing lesbian movie set in the 1960s, but like, Equally repressive period um, as Carol and starring Audrey Hepburn and Shirley MacLaine. And it explores a lot of the same themes and speaks to the fact that you really didn't want to be accused of lesbianism back in the day because you will lose everything. Everyone will think that you're some sort of pedophile and you'll probably end up killing yourself. So but a beautiful film. A depressing but beautiful film. It is. It's such a beautiful, sad, sad film. Um, have you seen, I've just cut into your see also's, but have you seen The Killing of Sister George? That's like a little later. It's oh, like, of you course. Have, yeah, of course you have. That's an iconic movie. The dyke bar scene in Killing of Sister George is so just beyond iconic. Yeah, and it was real. The Gateways Club, it was called. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So good. Also, I, I do feel like Susanna York is a really, really underrated lesbian icon. Um, and what you know was in a lot of movies about with queer characters and stuff. And I just love her to death. Such a good movie. Those are the foundational lesbian movies, I feel. It's like you gotta see Killing of Sister George, Children's Hour desert hearts and then i feel like it's like go fish like you know up into the 90s mm. yeah i feel like one of the like the lesbian scene of carol is great it kind of it's like a very different film but in some ways it makes me think of high art the lisa cholodenko film mm. which i recently had to buy on dvd off ebay because it is absolutely impossible to stream it's like what was the film you were trying to watch recently crossroads it's like crossroads you can't see oh, it oh yeah yeah wow and and we all need to see that i actually have been thinking about that movie because of the nan golden documentary that is coming out that i can't wait to see and how ali sheedy's character in that was like so clearly based on her totally it's great i've seen it it's incredible can't wait If uh, you've finished your not dry martini with an olive, we can move on to the <laughs> cream spinach over poached eggs portion of the episode, which is our <laughs> also also's. Okay, so I feel like my also also's are vaguely related to Carol in terms of vibe. And my first is by Rado's lipstick. It's called Subtropical, and it is very close to the color that Carol wears throughout this film, like that sort of corally red. And the price is exorbitant. It's like $50 in the United States, which means it's probably like $10,000 in Australia, given your 
current exchange rate. $75 Australian <laughs> here. You can get it at Mecca. Oh my God, that's so fucked up. Okay, you know what? God bless Mecca. Not a regular Mecca, not a mall Mecca. Those fancy Meccas, like wherever they are, I love them. But I, I appreciate how the Byredo lipsticks come in their own um, dust bag, which I think is a very chic touch. Very Carol. My other also also is getting a flocked Christmas tree. It's a real Christmas tree, but it is blasted with fake snow. So it looks like it's been snowed on and you could either decorate the flocked tree as you normally would, or you can just let it be, put some white lights on it and have that be the end of it. Have a very chic Margiela, maybe like Kim Kardashian-esque Christmas tree. I feel like that's a great option for someone that like doesn't have a lot of ornaments or Christmas stuff to begin with. Before we get onto your last one, I got to say your decorations are something I look forward to seeing every year that you can pull out your <laughs> magazine collection, et cetera, just for Christmas. Are you doing that again this year? Have you done it already? Oh, I've done, I have done it already. I've also bought some new Christmas magazines that I think you would appreciate. One, I found an old Christmas issue of Spy Magazine with Winona Ryder on the cover, wearing a Santa hat and burning an American flag. It's incredible. And I found a, I think it's like a British Vogue cover of a very young Uma Thurman, like when she was a model, like she was probably 15, like in a full just like holiday situation. So yes, I, I love, I'll, I'll send you a pic. I love Christmas decorating. And my last C also is Lana Del Rey's new single. <laughs> it has the longest title I've ever heard since that Fiona Apple album, but it is such a beautiful song. I feel like it's kind of Carol adjacent because her music has so much tragic mid-century imagery in it, so much longing in it. And uh, if you're the kind of person that like really loves to sort of like, not loves to, but like if you're the sort of person that gets a bit depressed around the holidays, you're listening to a lot of like Joni Mitchell's River, maybe you could sort of add Lana into the mix. And uh, yeah, so that's my wreck. My first one is a listen also as well. It is the Zodiac Club ex Christmas extended playlist that I put together and I add to every year. It's on Spotify and Apple Music. It currently runs for like six and a half hours and it's genuinely Ooh. good Christmas music. It's the kind of music you can put on in the background of your holiday party or rapping or whatever. If you don't have Therese there to play live piano to you, you can just put on this playlist. There is a like two hour version as well uh, that is just my favorites. I've got a read also that's kind of related. Everything's related to Carol today as it should be. <laughs> it's a book that came out in 2021, but um I feel like it it did so well internationally and I feel like it's it's uh I don't know, if people miss the first wave, there needs to be a second wave. It's so great. It's called Gay Bar Why We Went Out by Jeremy Atherton Lynn, who is a London-based writer. And it's this very intimate history of like gay culture, queer culture from like the 18th century to the contemporary times. And it is a really kind of personal look at like queer clubs and clubbing and community building. It's so good. It's really great. I love his writing. Uh, and then my final one is uh, a see also, a watch also. It's uh, Chantal Ackerman's film, Je Tue Il Il. So everyone would have seen mm. that her film, her incredible film, Jean Dielman, came in at number one on the Sight and Sound, like greatest films of all time poll. There was a lot of fucking backlash about it from absolute losers, like about such losers, such losers. Oh my such God. losers. Such, like, like uh, yeah, fuck. I mean, beyond. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, can't even. I I left Twitter that day. I couldn't deal with it. Um, 
And so I'm really <laughs> glad that this means that more people will get to see um, Jean Dillman. Uh, if you're in Sydney, it's playing at Golden Age in like Jan or Feb. And I, I hope that more cinemas start playing it because it's really hard to see in a cinema setting. And like you can stream it, but it's like it's a very long epic film and it's not the same as seeing it in a cinema. Yeah, you have to see it in the movie theater. Like, and you will be enraptured by watching this bitch peel potatoes. Like, oh. I'm not lying. Like, it's it's crazy. She breads that chicken in real time, and I love it. <laughs> I know, and it's like so much of that movie, it's like so mundane, but it's so weirdly gripping. I don't even think you need really the ending to sort of like contextualize the whole thing. It's just, it's just a perfect movie. And obviously, Delphine Sereg is like, a fucking ledge so good yeah it's beautiful but so if you have seen that but maybe you haven't seen some of our other work i would recommend jetu it came out in 1975 it's also about like an aimless woman on a road trip sound familiar with an iconic sex scene this sex scene in jetu is like fully like amazingly realistic and it's unflinchingly long and grotesque, much like lesbian sex actually is. So it's perfect. Yeah, there is no male gaze about it. It's like Chantal Ackerman filming herself having sex with like this former lover on screen. It is amazing. Anyway, that's my last also also. <laughs> no, I love that. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea, for joining C also today. It's been such an honor to have you uh, here <laughs> discussing Carol, going into the, you know, dyke debauchery with me. I can always depend on you for that. And that's something I love about you. <laughs> oh, honey, I'm, I'm always here for you. <laughs> and it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you uh, have enjoyed this, please leave a review on uh, Apple Podcasts and you can follow uh, at See Also Podcast on Instagram. And Chelsea, where do we find you and every outfit? Uh, you can follow every outfit on SATC on Instagram or, you know, search for the podcast, every outfit, wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, thank you, Chels, and thank you to Harvey Sutherland for our original theme song and to Samuel Hodge for our imagery. A Merry Carol Christmas to you, Chelsea. A Merry Carol Christmas to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns.